Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is the powerhouse of positivity, Hannah McGowan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Hannah's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome to the podcast is this week's guest. It's Hannah. Welcome, Hannah. Hello, hello. It's great to have you on the podcast. You're someone that's been doing great things on the podcast circuit over the last year, and I'm excited to hear all about you. I am stupidly excited to be here. It's unbelievable. Excellent. Uh, so I like to try and just jump straight into all things Liverpool Comedy Improv to begin. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, how did you get involved with Liverpool Comedy Improv? Oh, so I actually heard about it from um, a guy I was working with in a past job, year before last. Um, he is part of another improv company, but knowing that I liked improvisation anyway, he actually recommended to me that I look up Liverpool Comedy Improv. Um, When I looked it up, lockdown happened, so it was a little bit of a miss that opportunity moment. Um, Came back round and basically got in touch with Emma Bird, who um, we all know and love as the director, um, producer, person who owns it well she's like she's oh, she's amazing isn't she oh, yeah. um and uh, I basically got in touch with her and I was like I know everything's online but um is there any spaces and she messaged me back pretty much straight away and was like yes here's all the classes um pop on to whatever one you feel like you should come on to um so I started on just the general classes um which slowly moved into the advanced classes which um it's kind of where I make my home now, really, at LCI. Excellent. So were you doing a lot of improv before LCI? Yeah, I do have improv background. Um, I studied it when I was in college. Um, I did a show way before college, which, because I was relatively new to improv, because before then, everything that I did from my acting background was all scripted. So it was a completely different world to come into improv where it was like, no, no, there's no script. You literally just make it up. Pretty much everything goes. And it was a bit of a mind blowing moment for me. I didn't actually enjoy it. Um, It wasn't something that was my thing when I started it. Um, But when I got into college, I had an amazing uh, improv teacher who kind of just made me realize that through improv, it's, you can kind of unleash your weirdness. And so for me, my weirdness was always very restrained. Um, But through improv, obviously, I was able just to go, whoa, and just let it go, um, really. Um, So yeah, I did improv through college. And then improv has kind of always been something that I've just turned to in in performance performance world. If you devise something, you start with improv first. If you are scripted, um, a play or a short film or a radio drama, you kind of think about where your character is before you meet your character during the play and what happens at the end of the play as well. Where does your character go? And it gives you loads of opportunities as well as general research to kind of create and form characters above and beyond what you're expected, I suppose, as an actor, which has always been a massive thing for me. So was improv like a separate thing that you studied as part of your course? 
Yeah, so it was just, it was through modules mainly. Okay. So like in, in college, they give you modules. So it was like, you know, you'd be like doing improvisation one day and then like devising, scripting, Shakespeare, musical theatre, uh, movement, uh, stage combat, so on and so forth. So they were all modules. Um, it was more when I kind of got to my final, because I did three years on two different courses in college, performing arts wise. And during my first year, I joined what was then the Liverpool Everyman Youth Theatre, which is right. now the Young Everyman and Playhouse. Okay. So a lot of the shows that we did there were devised. So it was always easy for me to go into the devising side of it because I knew it was predominantly starting with improv. Yeah. See, because I, I did a bit of performing arts studying back in the day, but back in my day, it was like improv was never taught to us as a module or a subject it was something that we did a lot as a warm-up but it was only ever really regarded a warm-up activity yeah zips at boing everyone loves it yeah and it is <laughs> it is it is a great way to get going uh, but then for me sometimes it would be like oh that, that's the end can we just like stick with the improv do we have to go and learn scripts and stuff yeah you, d you do fall in love with it i do think it's very um contagious improv and once you've started it and you get on a roll with it like it's kind of become full-time for me like since the start of the pandemic and I mean, think that's the only good thing that's come out of this pandemic is the fact that improv has been such an accessible form of performance for many people yeah. and especially for me it's just been a chance to go yes I learned this yes I learned that but now it's full-time so I'm not just doing shows with companies and being part of companies but I'm like actually going to LCI for advanced classes or reaching out to other places like Second City in Chicago to do advanced classes there as well yeah. so you, you learn as you go and it's um it's great especially when you perform as well you can bounce off other people so much easier and how do you think your life might have been the last year if you hadn't have discovered improv online ridiculously boring because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I can say um yeah I think it would have been I think like many people who work freelance um, through whichever creative capacity, it it would have been very, very difficult if I hadn't have found improv. Um, yeah, you can read as many scripts as you like. You can watch as many plays on, you know, National Theatre has that that app you can download with has all of the shows on there. There was work, yeah. work stuff on telly, radio, BBC4. I love plays on BBC4. Um, but without actually doing it, you kind of my the worst thing that anyone can ever do to me is tell me to wait to do something um so like I always have to be doing something I'm quite a, a big movement kind of person um so even when I'm waiting for lights to be changed in a theater for a set I'm like okay okay let's let's run these lines okay let's let's go with this choreography so with the improv thing because it was a constant thing from the get-go it, it stopped me from falling into that weird boring don't do this to me type of scenario yeah so before everything happened last year were you actually making a living through performing arts freelance yeah I mean I've always always had other jobs part-time alongside freelance work right. just for obviously financial stability yeah um one of the curses of working as a freelance is that work doesn't always come as often as you'd like it to um so I was in, in some ways I was, in others I wasn't, but the other part-time jobs that I would have, as well as that, it kind of kept me steady. Yeah, that sounds, sounds to make a lot of sense. 
How do you feel about coming to sessions where you're improvising with people from all sorts of walks of life and you're there as someone that, you know, sees the arts as not just a hobby, but as a way of like earning a bit of a living? How, how does it feel to connect with people who are just there for a bit of a hobby? I think each to their own. You know, I think w when you when you work with people, you kind of forget while they're there because what they're there for and their points of view doesn't really matter. It's what you're doing at that particular moment. So if everyone comes, to, for example, to a, an improv class at LCI, I don't really care what their background is or what they feel about the creative world because I know myself it's stupidly important to me yeah. I know to other people it's they feel exactly the same but then same as that I know that people are doctors and they do it to get away from their job to have some kind of like relief I know police officers I know you know so many people from different backgrounds who just come together and it's like it doesn't really matter because as I said it's what you're doing in that moment that matters yeah that's a good way to look at it and how do you describe improv to people that ask you what it is I just say it's making stuff up which is kind of what it is um I used to say improv is uh this very dramatic improv is a, is a journey and it's uh it's a way to creatively be spontaneous now I just say it's a chance to be weird and no one will judge you you can make anything up because everything goes um in some respects so yeah I think that's that's the kind of a way I've actually tried to get my sister into it she's not like I'm the only one from a performance background in my family um apart from my uncle and my cousin who both are uh, musicians but they do other things as well and have done okay. other things as well so I'm the one who's kind of solely trying to push for it um but my sister she's doing a master's um she's doing microbiology because you know she's clever um <laughs> so every now and then I'll be like just just come and watch me do an improv class or like would you like to jump in like it doesn't matter if you've not got experience so with me we'll play random improv games just as a laugh not like this is an improv game let's do it but we'll just as as a giggle you know we went for a walk yesterday and we just ended up playing a, a random game of questions only and it, and she really enjoyed it so I, I always love to convince people that it doesn't really matter if you've got, got experience because as long as you just give it a go, yeah. if, if you fail, you fail. But listen, you fail spectacularly. And that, <laughs> that's the great thing. You don't have to worry about it. And do you find that if you tell people about improv comedy that don't really know about it, that they just think about the comedy side and like who's lying and then they'd be like, oh, go on, give us a joke. Yeah, I do find that a lot. Like uh, I say, oh, I do improv. And people are like, oh, hey, you know, you are you must be funny. And I'm like, well, I'm more funny looking. But, you know, I think, yeah, whose line is it anyway? I think for many people, especially people who do love improv or just in general love to have a little giggle, yeah. it is something that has resonated with them. I mean, I remember sitting and watching Whose Line Is It Anyway when I was really, really young, like literally pinned up, getting square eyes against the telly because I just loved it so much. Is it Clive Anderson who used to host it? The yeah. very, very old ones. Yeah. Watching the old ones, the ones where it was all, I think it was London produced and obviously now they're over in America. Yeah. I think I'm right when I say that. Maybe? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I still I still watch them today. I still jump on YouTube and, you know, watch them. I've I've had a QA and a with Q, uh, Colin Mockery. That was something else. Yeah, um, something I want to talk to you about, actually. I watched oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
so yeah, let's just jump straight to that because uh, that okay. looked awesome. And I, I could see in your face when you were speaking to Colin Mockery, like how excited you were to be speaking to him. But do you want to just tell the story about how that came about? So yeah, so I've done a bit of um, improv work with a company called Queen City Comedy uh, based in the US and they are just absolutely amazing, but they have so many different networks and so many people that they can reach out to and it really gives uh, performers an opportunity to kind of stretch their legs a little bit and to expand their wings, I suppose, um, performance-wise. But I overheard um, a conversation about Who's Nights Anyway. And obviously, me being a fan, I jumped straight into it. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. This is great. Speak to me. Speak some more. I don't know what you're talking about, but you've mentioned Who's Nights Anyway. Anyway, long story short, Colin Mockery was mentioned to be doing a Q&A with um, improvisers and general performers through Queen City Comedy. Um I basically got onto their website, booked my ticket, hoped that there would be enough left. Amazingly, I think I was like like the second to last person to actually book a ticket. Oh, wow. So that's how close it was. <laughs> um, and then on the day, it was just like, who has questions? And, and I tried to put my question in as soon as I could. Uh, but there were so many people who wanted to ask questions. So I was just like, even to just be on a Zoom chat with him, I can yeah. see him. You can't see me not being weird. And then my my question got picked, my name got called out. And um, yeah, before I know it, I was speaking directly to himself, you know, Mr. Mockery himself. And he is an absolute gent. He really, really is. I was super excited. Like I was keeping really professional, but in my head, I was like, ah. <laughs> so you didn't know until they called your name that you were going to get to ask your question? No, you basically just say you've got a question. And then oh, wow. I, I don't know if there was a list or if there was a lineup or whatever. And I, I was just sitting there just enjoying watching people being so starstruck more than anything and, and hearing what he was saying about his life and where, you know, where he's from and how he got into improv and how he met Brian Stiles and, you know, whose lines anyway and yeah. all the other things that he does in general. Um, and then, yeah, my name was called out and uh, I was on screen with him. Um, and he was he was just genuinely really, really lovely. And um, I found out later on that he said he really liked my accent, which was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> And can you remember what you asked him? Uh, yeah, I asked him where he began um, his improv life, so where it began. You know, yeah. um, he's he's originally from Canada. Um, he got involved with Second City in Canada because there's Chicago, um, Toronto, and somewhere else, LA. Um, so he was part of the Toronto team in Canada. So. Um, he basically went through there and he just carried on. He got picked up. He started teaching. He met Ryan Styles. They got onto Who's Eyes anyway. Um, I mean, obviously, it was more of a longer story than that, but that's, you know, that's kind of um, what he was going about. And then I obviously thanked him um, for being him, really, because I think like many people who spoke to him, I was genuinely really happy that he now is still doing improv. You know, some people do improv or acting general certain amount of time and then they just retire and you never hear from him again um he's still going and for me that is just pure magic so I kind of thanked him for still going for still inspiring for giving people like me who was quite quiet as a kid a voice and you know not being afraid to to speak openly you know yeah it's that that thing in improv you don't fail so if you if you take that improv kind of mantra I suppose into your life you you can't actually fail even if you do you know it doesn't feel like that if you tell yourself 
that mantra. It's a hard thing to try and explain to certain people that don't have an improv sort of mindset because some people they see success and they see failure and they mm. and they don't see failure as a good thing whereas in improv you learn that yeah you're going to fail and it, that's going to be great. Yeah, it took it took me a while to I'm I'm brutally honest about it. I used to be I used to hate it when people would say, "Oh, you know, everything happens for a reason." And I'd be like, no, it doesn't. It's not fair. Uh, but then obviously, as I got older and I grew up and matured and started reaching out and collaborating and networking with people and just kind of honing my own skills as well as always knowing that you never, ever, you will never, ever learn everything um, and that you always have the option to, to learn. It helped. It did help a lot. So when I was rejected from certain projects or whatever else, where I usually probably feel a little bit like down by it, it was like, okay, fine, I've failed. You know what? It doesn't matter because one door shuts, another door opens. I think actually Colin Mockery did say that to someone as well, which was quite inspiring. Cool. Yeah. And with improv and when you were first doing it compared to how you're doing it now have you found that your style has changed at all did you used to go into it thinking oh I've got to go in and be funny and has has that changed um no not not really I mean I've never really thought of myself as funny but apparently I am which is always quite a shock when I say something and people are like that's really funny I'll be like it wasn't (laughs) meant to be like it's just (laughs) me being me so I think um from when I started on now, I think mainly the only thing that's changed is um, what I've learned and how I put into my improv what I have learned and changing it to fit to fit me. Um, I love character based stuff. So I love it when I can, you know, come on screen as a random little character from from Yorkshire or a, a copper from, you know, Cotney Copper from London or, you know, something like I love character based stuff. So for me, it was just really pushing those characters. And um, I know when I started, I was a bit of a mess when I'd come in um, because it was still quite a use to me. So these characters were kind of like too much and not yeah. played to the height of their intelligence. They were argumentative, they were whatever. And these are little things, that the mistakes that you make when you start learning. Skip a couple of years. I've been doing this for about nine, 10 years now. Skip about five years and I fell into, this is how you actually do it but don't give yourself rules to follow because then you get trapped. You know what you have to do, change them to the way it works for you. So now everything's a little bit more polished, in my opinion. They're probably not, but I'm saying they are. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever have like a specific moment, maybe it was a scene that you were doing or you were in character or something, where all of a sudden you thought, I 100% get this and I, I, I don't need to overthink it anymore. I just need to just be me and I get it 100%. Yeah. I was doing a workshop with um, Jay Suko, who a lot of the improv world know about. He's uh, He has his own improv company called Today Improv. He uh, was taught by Steve Carell at Second City, which I still cannot (laughs) get my head around. Um, I had a, a workshop with him and it was only about three or four of us. It was my very first workshop. And he he spoke during this workshop a lot about embracing your weirdness. And if your weirdness only goes so far, push it up again, push it up a notch because your character will always be 10 times weirder than you are as a person. And so I felt like I was going really too far with it. But the the other improviser I was working next with, uh, with at the time, yeah. um, 
matched my character and it just flowed and it was just you could feel it like there was a lovely sensation of oh this is working you know and I could see on the on the zoom chat you know Jay was nodding his head and you know everyone was laughing and 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 the scene finished and that was it um after that scene it was a bit like oh I get it now. I get it now. Play to the height of your intelligence. I know what that actually means now. I know what it is to be weird, but then to push that weirdness, because if you're with someone who <laughs> understands that, yeah. it will equal itself out and it will be go so weird that it becomes normality. That's what he said. So that's always stuck with me. So I think that was the moment. And I think that was about two or three months into the first lockdown in 2020 that that actually happened. Um mm. I've carried that with me, you know, for the shows that I do now, yeah. live and online. It, it it always helps. Awesome. And just going back to where you mentioned about accents when we talk about characters. Yeah. Do you have like a bank of accents that, yeah, these are my go-to accents that I'm comfortable with. And are there any accents that you're like, oh, I hope no one endows me with that accent because I can't do that, but I'll give it my best go anyway. Well, just let me refer to my CV. Um, no, I'm <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, I love accents. I think accents are great. Accents and dialects are fantastic. I always find my, I mean, this is the other thing as well, and I have been in trouble for this in the past, but I'm totally fine talking about it. Um, jobs that I've had in the past um, where I have, when you have, when you have jobs that are not performing arts or, you know, creatively um, within that world, you're in the real world. And you meet so many different people yeah. and every person is different and every person is an interval. And I love to people watch. It sounds a bit weird, but I do love watching people. So like when I was in college, I'd go and have my lunch in town and I'd sit in the middle of Liverpool one and I would watch people walk past. And it was a bit of a Sherlock Holmes moment, you know, in the movie uh, with Robert Downey Jr. where he watches people and then picks everything out. Like this person's, yeah. where, where's this? Because this person's, it was like I was able to do that. It's like a mini super superpower, I suppose. I know why I can do that. Um, but then it would also come across with accents. So if I was serving someone at a bar or on retail and someone had a particular accent, it was like I could listen to it, hear certain nouns and so on and so forth, those big overtones of dialect. The next person I would serve, given that they weren't directly behind them, I'd suddenly be talking to them in that accent and I couldn't shake it. Um, but I, I, yeah, accents for me make a character in a way, especially big animated characters there. That's where it works. I think I love all accents. I think my the accent that I really love working on is a South African accent and the Geordie accent. Those are two accents I not so much struggle with, but I know I can't be 100% confident with them in a role, like a, a long, like long yeah. form scene. I can't do it there. But any short form game, um, like Helen, who was on here, was it last week? Uh, yeah, the, it aired last week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As so of she, recording. Yeah, as of recording. <laughs> yeah, timing's great. Um, <laughs> she's got a lovely... Um, a uh, beautiful accent herself, you know, and she's she's Geordie. And uh, I we did a, a show, we we do shows together with another company that I'm part of um, called Extreme Improv. And she did this one scene and it was basically verbatim. So we were just copying the scenes we'd seen together. I was basically her. So I did this Geordie accent. Now, don't get me wrong, it was rather rubbish, but because it was <laughs> in the setting of a, 
of a literally a 30 second remake it worked you know so you know where to fit the ones that you can't do great and then you know where to fit the ones that you can do great people watching listening to people yeah they all really really help and there's there's to me there's sort of different styles of improv and i've had the pleasure of seeing you perform many times i've performed with you a fair few times as well and i see you as a character performer 100 and it's not just because you're great with the voice and things but you embody the character so your face changes your mannerisms change your body sort of becomes this character was that something that just came naturally to you or was it something that you worked on over the years it's all my alter egos coming out to play um so improv has given every single character in my head a party house that's what it is uh, no I I think um I think naturally I've just always been able to do it I used to impersonate teachers when I was at school um I used to again with the accents thing I used to serve um different tables and different accents different personas and different characters so uh, the only problem was remembering what table you'd served what accent and persona with when you've got about 10 of them that you're serving um, that was always interesting. Uh, you were Welsh going to table three and now you're Irish. That's confusing. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's, uh, for me, it, it was almost an escape when I was little. Um, and that's where it started, that I could be anyone else, anyone other than myself. Um, if you put on these personas, these characters, you survive in a way. And everyone has a way to survive in their life. And for me, it was finding a persona that fitted a certain situation so that I could that I could manage it. Um, obviously, now it's a lot more animated. Like you said, you know, when we perform, it is very big characters. Yeah. But just in everyday life, you, you find things that help you manage because the world is cruel and no one can ignore that. There are beautiful moments as well, but everyone needs a way to cope. And for me, that was my way of coping. So you felt a need to, to be take on these different personas yeah from a, from a young age yeah yeah and why do you think that was did you, did you just feel that the people around you uh were were they sort of a bullying mentality things like oh, that? so without playing a mini sympathy violin um yeah I went through school alone completely alone I was bullied all the way through school um it only really stopped when I got into into college because I was with like-minded people who were all a little bit crazy, a little bit out there. And um, all of a similar age or older to me, um, which helped because, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to talk about, I suppose, in one respect, because to think that most of your childhood in school, which is meant to be the time where you really flourish as a person. Yeah. um, When you know that you're not, because you don't want to be yourself because yourself isn't accepted for whatever reason, then finding personas that do work, that are accepted, you transfer them. It's like a transferable skill. It's how you're able to go in, or for me, it's how I'm able to go and um, do interviews for non-performance jobs. It's selecting characters, I suppose, that would fit a potential role based off the experience that I've got as a person, obviously. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not some kind of person who walks around with 10 different people in my head going, no, you wanted milk. No, it's bread. No. You know, it's not that kind yeah. of thing. It's just it's just what I've been able to to take with me as I've grown up, really. And now um, use them, which is great in a performance world. Yeah. And so you mentioned having a, 
a scientist sister earlier. <laughs> so, as children, was mm-hmm. she always sort of quite sciencey and sort of perhaps a more serious one? And, and were you always a bit more jokey and like a laugh kind of child? Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally that we are so Laurel and Hardy, Morecambe and Wise. We are. She is the straight person, and I'm the absolute clown. Um, it's always been like that, you know, she, she's very academic and I, I'm completely respectful of her. And I think she's, especially through this pandemic, I've been really proud of her, you know, as an older sister, I've been stupidly proud of her, um, to just kind of live away from home and to carry on doing a master's that was meant to be two years is now two and a half, nearly three years. And it's a difficult thing for anyone to do, you know? on a normal in the on a normal day but with everything that's going on definitely but she she was never no our jenny she was never you know theatrical she was never one to one she'd go to the theater to watch shows i was in or go and watch shows that i wasn't in if i said how good it was you know she'd watch different programs with me and we we still do we've been watching a, a netflix um series recently that i absolutely love because one of my favorite actors is in it um she sits there and loves it equally but in terms of getting up on stage and doing any of that yeah no she she wouldn't she wouldn't try it she says <laughs> I she says I freak her out at how I can do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah some people just don't get it do they they I see it so I'm a teacher when I'm not mm. improvising and I see a lot of teachers that hate the idea of speaking in front of people or doing a presentation to adults and I'm like but that's what you do every day you stand in front of yeah. people and and you're basically performing all day long, but the idea of them putting on a performance really scares them. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think improv is great for those sort of things. I mean, I know I had a presentation that I needed to do a few years ago, non-acting based. It was it was for a job. And I was really worried about it because I thought, how, how am I going to do this? How am I? You put me on stage in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people. I will perform my heart out and I will be that character. And I will, who's Hannah? I don't know. Who is Hannah? Who cares? Um, <laughs> I'll be that character. Fine. You put me where well, I used to do horse riding when I was younger for a good majority of my life, actually, until I was about 24, which was only three years ago. Um, you put me in a, in a dressage arena, a show jumping arena, managing a horse that's like, got the capability to kill me if it wanted to um not like it will because he was as daft as a brush but um <laughs> i'll do that i'll i'll happily jump a fence i'll happily mess up a, a dressage tester i'll do that but the moment that i'm not in any of those positions is the moment that i panic so that's where the persona comes in so i did that i did that presentation with a different persona it wasn't me i just learned the lines and went along with it yeah. that was how i managed to do it and speaking of learning lines, are you good at learning lines? I have a weird photographic memory. All right. So it's half and half. It's a bit like my insomnia. It's part time. So it's like sometimes I can look at something and I just remember it. It's just there in my head. It's done. Sometimes I'll look at something and only half of it will come up. And it's a bit like I'm going to go and learn the other half now, you know, <laughs> Um but I do, I do love learning. I love Shakespeare. Um, really love Shakespeare. I went and did a, when was it, two thousand seventeen? I went to the Globe, Shakespeare's Globe in London, and I did a two, three week BA slash MA styled Shakespeare course, which ended in a, a casted showcase 
on the globe um on the actual stage which was just an absolute dream um in front of invited audience and non-invited audience where we did a showcase of hamlet and um i had to multi-role which i was in heaven when i found out that i was going to be playing rosencrantz who is one of my favorite characters (laughs) as well as laertes so there was a gender swap there which i also really really enjoyed um i understand shakespeare which I remember when I was in school and we were learning about Twelfth Night and the temp- Twelfth Night being one of my favourite plays and The Tempest. Um, I'd be sitting there writing everything down as if it was just a standard, you know, modern word. Yeah. And my teacher was always like, I don't know how you're able to, obviously not everything was 100% accurate, but I don't know how you're able to understand Shakespeare <laughs> more than your, underst- your capability of being able to understand of mice and men, you know? Yeah. But I, I think Shakespeare is a bit of a marvel and I love the writing and I love his work and I, I love the language. I think it's so beautiful. Even a tragedy is beautiful, you know? Yeah. I think for me, I'm not I'm not a huge lover of Shakespeare in terms of the language. Mm. It, the language does put me off. But in terms of the stories he created, I think pretty much any film I've ever watched can be broken down into a Shakespeare story. Yeah, every single film has some resonance of Shakespeare in it. Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think, oh, no, I don't think I've actually sat through a film uh, in my own little sad way and gone, that's not Shakespeare. There's always something that's very Shakespearean, yeah. you know, whether it's a certain character, the way a character moves, a certain way a character would speak. Maybe it sounds very versy, you know, it, it's ver- uh, verse, pause, breath you know that kind of thing there's always some sort of a soliloquy even if it's not meant to be yeah there is you know it's very clever yeah and i just think like the impact that he had on the world it's just going to be so massive for many many more years to come because he had so many awesome ideas and anything Mm -hmm. else never seems like an original idea it's always just a version of this awesome idea that's already been had by someone yeah definitely um, I just want to go back to when you were talking about scripted plays. So as an mm. actress, so I'm assuming you're good at this, but I want to know if you've been in positions where perhaps it hasn't gone to plan. And it's when you're in a scripted play and someone misses a line or they fluff their line, th- that can really have a bad effect on some people. Are you quite good at just going with the flow and working around it? It used to terrify me. It used to terrify me. Not so much other people missing a line because I knew I could work with that. And as long as you're in character, you just think about what your character would do. Most of the time, you just skip the line that they should have said and try and make the line that you're going to say make sense. You may have to change a few words, which is a bit naughty, but it's it's saving your partner and being gracious in that way. And um you know, unfortunately, it's not all panto. You can't just make a mistake and laugh it off. Some things, for example, going back to Shakespeare, if someone misses a line in Hamlet, oh dear, it's a tricky situation. But if you know the story back to front and you've done your research and you're in character, you can, in a way, I suppose, just jump over it and carry it on. Um, it's a real fear of mine to forget lines. It really is. I think I don't think any actor doesn't have that fear. You know, I, I think if people are not, if actors are not afraid to forget a line, 
they are overly confident. And I think sometimes being overly confident can be quite dangerous because that's when mistakes can happen. Um, But yeah, it's a real worry for me. Don't get me wrong. But luckily I've never, I've lost a few lines once when I was doing a monologue, I had to sit in a quite an awkward silence. But again, because I was in character movement that I was doing at the time I was able just to create something out of that silence until the lines came back and then I could just carry on yeah. luckily since then which is actually when I was in uh, the Young Government Playhouse luckily since then it's not so much being a, a problem I love learning lines I love being transported into different worlds I absolutely love it especially if it's far far away from my own life it's <laughs> even more exciting there was there was one thing I'd never taken into consideration, and I was in a play a few years back. I w- I must have been in my mid twenties, I think. I, it was a pantomime, and I was yeah. doing a scene with a girl who was about fourteen, I think. And I I waltzed in to do my bit, and she completely missed out about a page worth of dialogue, and just like I I just went with it, and it was fine, and it was pantomime, and you can make things work. Yeah. And it wasn't until sort of after the show that one of the techies came to see me and he was like, do you know the hassle that you caused me by missing like an entire page's worth oh. of dialogue? Because all of the lighting and, and everything, the sound cues, they're mm. all sort of cued to go off at certain points. And he had to completely just discard everything that he had planned and do it all on the fly because us actors had sort of missed a bit out. Yeah. And uh, it's something I'd never thought about before. It's 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 a strange thing. Like I think where the pressure's more on in theatre um, I feel personally, because obviously when you're on a film set, you can just retake and reverse and yeah. gag reel, blooper reel. Um, whereas when you're on theatre, because the other thing with film as well is that it's not all, you know, like it's not in alphabetical order. It's not scene by scene by scene like it is in theatre. Everything's mismatched. You know, you may start at the end or in the middle and then, you know, go through to the beginning. And so I think I've only been in one short film that did it chronologically instead of, you know, whatever yeah. suited best for in terms of location. And, yeah. um, you mentioned uh, acting in front of cameras there. I've got lots yeah. of actor friends and I've had many conversations about the differences between acting on a stage and acting in front of the camera and acting in front of the camera it's all about the subtleties whereas the stage is all about being big and bold and I've only ever experienced the big and bold stage acting so uh what do you think of the the differences and do you have a preference um I love both of them equally I think they're both powerful in their own way you play so when you're in a theater you do not overact it's not your standards um no offense (laughs) your standards um you do play to reach the person at the back of the audience because everyone needs to be involved in your character story and the story in general so you need to reach every single person including the people at the back of the stalls the back of the circle right at the top in the gallery you need to hit everybody to you know show what's going on especially in more intense moments um whereas when you're on in front of the camera everything's simplified because you're not trying to reach people at the back of an auditorium. You're wanting to make people sit on the edge of their seats, you know, when they're watching it. And then the most beautiful moment that I remember watching was, um, what's his name? Ian McLennan doing King Lear. And there's a moment near the start 
where he has this beautiful moment with his daughter and the camera pans round and comes towards him. But you can see every single emotion on his face. Everything is picked up. And it was so beautiful. And there's an, there's another film, and I forget what it's called, with Anthony Hopkins. The character opposite him says something to him. And in this split moment, he works through at least four different emotions fo- facially with, like, facial, without saying anything. And you're like, now that's the power of that's the power of film. You can pick that up. Yeah. Um, obviously, big explosions. They always happen on uh, on film, whereas you don't really get them on stage, depending on what you're on. Um, I think they're two different journeys. They film takes you on one journey outside of the closed doors of a theater, whereas theater can can bring something truly spectacular. Mm. Um, Dead dog in a suitcase by Knee High. Uh, I remember seeing that, and I was literally blown away by it like the end of it it was so epic there were fans there was music being played stupidly loud on a on a violin there was paper getting thrown out all these characters were like like falling all over the floor there was a big skeleton dog that came out of the back of the theater into the audience like I was an usher at this point working in front of house which was one of my first ever jobs and I stood at the back of the auditorium against the wall literally pinned up against the wall because I was being quite literally blown away by what I was seeing and I remember just being like yes yes that's it and like clapping my hands like that's it that's amazing that's the sensation you want to watch when you're on you know when you're watching a theatre show but then equally when you're in a theatre show and you know that something's going to be epic you're like you don't know what we have planned for you (laughs) so just get ready you know Awesome. So I've just I checked don't. on I've just checked on the time, and uh, we are sadly running out of time. But no, <laughs> I, I do want to talk to you about uh, your improv troops because I know you're sure. involved in so many things. Can you just quickly uh, give us a rundown of of who you improvise with? Yeah. So uh, company wise. Uh, yeah. So, or the, um, the different troops that you're in, the different things that you do yeah, every day. I'm part of Boss Birds, uh, which is um, again Emma Bird. Boss Bird, Emma Bird, see what did there. Um, yeah, I'm in her in her uh, all women's improv company, which is amazing. We've done um, different uh, workshops for women of the world, women of the world's improv. So we've had people, women and um, non-binary as well, come together and basically just do a jam, just do a private jam all together, do a bit of training as well, a bit of learning. Um, you know, you learn so much when you talk to people who are from, all over the world it's unbelievable um which is another amazing thing that improv has done especially being online is that I can talk to someone all the way over into America or in India or somewhere like that and it's like I'm actually just sitting in my room in in little Liverpool just minding my own business it's a bit crazy um so yeah so there's boss birds um a part of a company called extreme improv which is Probably my main place of performance, I'd say. Um, it, they do short form and long form improv, uh, which I love to do both. They've held championships. Um, I was a semi-finalist in the individual championships. And then I was uh, a winner with our team championships in uh, the Jesters, which was really cool. Awesome. Um, and then I'm in the international team for improv Chattanooga, uh, which is great. And away from all that, I've teamed up with... Um, another improviser called Ewan Henderson, who is um, absolutely lovely. And we did a 10 minute 
scene together when 10 minute scenes were really popular. They still are, I think. Yeah. Um, we did these two, this back going back to the character thing, we did these two Russian characters that were really, really rubbish spies based <laughs> off the word activity. Um, and we rolled with it and we did an episode two and episode three. So now we've got like our own little thing going on and we started collaborating with other improvisers as well to move the story along with these two characters and it's a little bit mental so you and Henderson actor on YouTube little plug for him um <laughs> you subscribe but it's all on a playlist and it's absolutely bonkers yeah I've seen it's totally not PG <laughs> <laughs> uh episode seven was that the latest one released or it's the latest episode one I've seen anyway seven. maybe yeah I think episode eight or nine. Oh, eight or nine. That. Okay. Yeah, we got one. We got one tomorrow, which is Sunday, wherever we are in the recording world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> part yeah. two. Ewan Henderson is an awesome improviser. He's also part of my improv troupe, the Oikers, and I just love improvising with him because he he just laughs all the time, and he breaks character, and he laughs, and he just he's just always loving everything he's doing, and I just think it's it's great to work with him. <laughs> I make it a challenge to make him laugh at least three times when we're doing a scene. <laughs> I think it was episode before last. I think it was, I think it was actually episode seven. And I, I can't remember what I said, but I said something and he literally fell about the place. I can't remember what I said, but apparently it was funny. Um, so yeah, he's a great person to work alongside. So we've got like a little collaborative thing going on at the moment, which is great. So where can people find you uh, in the world of the internet if they want to seek you out? Oh, on the intranet, um, they can find me on Instagram at Hannah underscore McGowan X. Uh, Boss Birds Improv, find them on Facebook. Um, we we post quite a lot on there. Um, Extreme Improv, any of their shows, I'm pretty much on about one or two a week at the moment. Um, and Improv Chattanooga as well. Uh, or it's Chattanooga, but I say Chattanooga because I'm lazy. Um <laughs> They have shows going on. Obviously, there's a massive time difference there. So I think the show, a Daylight Saving has changed things a little bit. Um, yeah. But the show that they're currently doing is Cards, uh, Improv Against Humanity, which is like Cards Against Humanity. Okay. Um, I was in a show with them, I think it was week before last, on Sunday morning in the UK at 1am, which was fun. <laughs> um, but they have really good shows going on. And you can watch them back on their Facebook page as well. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. So, yeah, listeners, check out Hannah and all of those places that she just said. She's a great improviser. <laughs> You'll have a great laugh watching her perform. And I feel like we've only just scratched the surface. Like, maybe there's a part two in this. Oh, I'd love a part two. It's always a good <laughs> part two. I'll bring pie. Excellent. Well, you've sold me with pie, so then maybe that's something we can discuss in the future. Part two with pie. Part two with pie. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you very much. I'm going to end the interview here. So it's been awesome. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much to Hannah for that fantastic chat. As I said there in the interview, I feel like I was really only just starting to scratch the surface of things we could talk about. So hopefully we will swing back around in a few months and catch up with Hannah and find out uh, where she's at in life and where she's at in improv and the world could be in a different place by then. So it'd just be nice to catch up with her and continue our chat. And in fact, I'm thinking out loud right now, but I quite like the idea of waiting a few months down the line and then revisiting some of the guests and seeing how their life has changed when we're coming out of the pandemic. So that 
could be an idea, so stick around for future episodes to see if I do indeed bring that one to fruition. Now, if you're interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Live Comedy Improv. If you are a member of the LCI community and you would like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make all the arrangements as soon as possible. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then please give us five stars, leave us a review. It will really help boost the show and get our name out there. As always, if you want to find out where I am on social media and what I'm up to, you can check me out on YouTube, Facebook, instagram and twitter just look for at ian luke jones and if you want to see my improv in particular then i would point you in the direction of my improv troupe called the oikers a troupe that was born out of liverpool comedy improv you can find our oikers page on facebook and we are hoping to be doing some shows in the not too distant future and before i go Here are some words, as always, that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv, and yes, and...